0: to meet someone who is so committed to being a positive person and spreading positivity and spreading love to me is just super inspiring.
1: Thank you guys for your continued support watching all of our Amplified Voices episodes. Make sure you subscribe to Amplify Africa's YouTube channel, like this video, comment, and let us know what you're thinking. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Amplified Voices, where we highlight Black voices around the world that are making an impact within their respective industries. My name is Debbie Alamru, and I'm your host. Today, I am joined by a man who hails from the DMV, and that stands for diversity champion, marketing mogul, and visionary. He started from the bottom, and now he's the mind behind many multi-million dollar brands an all-star Forbes 30 under 30 honoree who's been named as one of the most influential African Americans. He's a champion of equality for minorities and women. He's the chief marketing officer at Artsy, the leading marketplace to discover, buy, and sell fine art. Everett Taylor, welcome to Amplified Voices. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm over here blushing. It's, It's weird hearing about myself. That was an incredible intro. Thank you.
1: Of course, of course, now Everett you have received so many accolades from being recognized by Forbes as a member of the class of 2018 30 30 under 30, as well as the Forbes 30 under 30 all star alumni in 2019. You've also received an honorary doctorate degree from Shaw University and just so much more. So what other award do you want on your mantle that is not already there? I mean, is it a Pulitzer, an Emmy, an Oscar, a no Nobel Peace Prize, what would you love to receive?
0: You know what, I'll say this, Debbie, I've never, I've done countless interviews, I've never gotten that question once before. Really? That is is very interesting. Um, What award would I want on my mental Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, the Amplify Africa one was pretty cool, you know, to, 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 to feel like, you know, to have recognition that my impact was being felt um, across the diaspora is something that's, you know, extremely important to me. But
1: there isn't anything that, like,
0: sticks out to me. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm just not self-interested in that way where it's like, you probably even saw the video when I accept the award. I was probably mad awkward. It's just like, it's thank you, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just hope to do some positive things, but.
1: I love that, though. It's almost like you don't actually even understand how big of an impact you are making. Um, and that that humble quality is always, it's always endearing and it is, is nice. But at the same time, ever you have to stop once in a while and just celebrate yourself because what you've done is huge. Um, so I'm curious, you became an entrepreneur at a really young age. So how did that, how did that journey begin for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, it really was a a journey of necessity more than anything. Um, and I, I tell people that like, you know, people tend to want to hear like some incredibly inspiring, like thing. And I'm just like, uh, I just didn't want to end up on the streets. I wanted to be able to take care of my family. It was really, uh, it really came down to necessity. Like I, I dropped out of college to go help out my, my mom and my sister. And, you know, we were struggling and I was working at Joanne Fabrics, uh, making minimum wage. And literally when I would, the, the money that it would cost to drive there and to like eat lunch was like half of my pay for the day. I was like, this is ridiculous, you know? So I had to do something and that's what really inspired me to take um, my destiny a little bit into my own hands and really venture into the world of entrepreneurship because I felt that there had to be another way. It had to be another option out there for me instead of just working the normal day-to-day nine to five or minimum wage job.
1: Right. So, I know that you grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, what was yeah. your childhood like, and how did that shape the man that you are today?
0: Well, first of all, I, it's funny that you said DMV because I don't think people consider Richmond part of the DMV, even though DMV yeah. has Virginia in it. It's yeah. interesting. I always seen DMV as uh, like the Northern Virginia because it's such a contrast between. DC, Maryland, Virginia, Northern Virginia, and Richmond. It's very night, night and day, uh, the areas and in, in, in how I grew up. Um, but growing up in Richmond was, 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 was great in the sense that I got exposed to so much, yet so little at the same time. Like I got exposed, I had to grow up fast and I saw a lot of things around me. Um, but I also was able to recognize that. This was just a small piece of the world like there was so much more to see so it helped me mature very very fast but also at the same time it gave me the inspiration to want to seek out more
1: Ooh, I like that so when you were younger what did you aspire to do when you grew up
0: oh wow I mean I think I was basic as hell like most kids like I wanted to be like a basketball player or an athlete or um, you know, some, something like that. Like, I, it wasn't like I had some grandiose. Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur someday, or a CMO someday, or a CEO someday. It wasn't like that. I was just like a regular kid that thought he was going to be an astronaut or a basketball player or something like that. It was. Astronaut. That's a. Positive it, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't have. It's so funny. I hear some interviews and people are like, "Yeah, when I was a kid, I knew I was going to." I'm like. What kind of childhood did you have? Because I didn't even know that type of stuff was possible. I was like, either you rap or you play ball or you sling drugs. Like those are the options. So I don't know how you knew that you had all of these incredible options there for you. So for me, it was just like probably like playing basketball.
1: Okay. Now Forbes named you a marketing genius. And to me, a marketing genius is someone who makes other people's light bulbs light up. So how do you do that?
0: Makes other people light bulbs light up. Did you come up with that? I did. <laughs> wow, that's dope. I'm gonna have to steal that. Um, you know, for me, I feel that the most important. About- important thing you can do as a leader, as a marketer, CMO, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. is make those around you better. I just spoke about basketball before. When I played basketball, I was a point guard. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, a point guard is helping the team. He's literally the captain on the floor, right? And you know, it's facilitating the ball and putting people in a position to be successful. He's the coach. He or she is the coach on the floor. And that's kind of the way that I look at my leadership style. Mm. I don't think I myself personally need to be the genius. It's the the collective genius of my team. So if I can put people in a position to be successful and help them really tap into their abilities and their talents and really optimize their efforts, then collectively as a whole, we're only going to be better. I'm only one person. Right. You know, so for me, I feel like you have the limit. I don't care how brilliant you are, you're still limited in scope if you're just one person. And it's really about the collective nature of things when it comes to creating a successful business or a successful brand. And so really making sure that I nurture and I invest in the people that are around me.
1: I love that. Now, how did you get your start in the tech industry and what did it teach you?
0: How did I get my start? Well, you know, interestingly enough, my first company that I started it was just like throwing parties, and then we built um, some tech, tech infrastructure so that people could buy like tickets online and things like that. And so that was my first like foray into tech. And I didn't know what SaaS was, like software as a service. So when, I, when we were building this technology, I didn't think about, oh, this is something that's scalable that we can charge other people to use this technology like an event break, right? And so I was such a novice when it came to technology, Silicon Valley, the entire tech world. We ended up selling that company and that company ended up getting flipped for like 10 or 11 X what we got paid for it. So in my mind, I was like, I need to figure out what's going on in Silicon Valley and this tech world because obviously I got finessed and there's so much that I need to learn. And after I sold my company, I went back to college for a bit and um, I I just needed to be a kid again for a little while. And I'm sitting in college and I realized that One, there's so much more I need to learn about the tech world. Two, why am I sitting here trying to get this degree? No offense to anyone who's listening to this, but like I saw the path that a lot of people were going down. Like they go to college, they get their degree, they move to the DMV, they work for the government or they work for so-and-so, they make their money, and they just slowly climb up, have a family, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That was just very boring to me. I, tech, the tech industry really was enticing to me. I wanted a different challenge, and so I said, F it, and I dropped out of college, and I, was, I moved to California within two weeks.
1: Wow.
0: And I started uh, as a head of marketing for an early-stage startup, getting paid pennies. Yeah, but it was probably one of the best, you know, decisions I could have ever made because it kind of catapulted, catapulted me into the career that I'm in today.
1: I love that. So then how did that transition from the tech world into the art world happen for you?
0: Wow, Debbie, all the hard questions. Um, <laughs> that transition was interesting because it was slow. Like tech felt very like, like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to drop and da Art was like a slow burn. Um, you know, I always loved art as a kid. I got discouraged by my art teacher when I was in seventh grade, because he gave me a seat in oh. art class. How do you give a 12-year-old a seat
1: <laughs> oh, in art? Nice.
0: Like, who does that? Right. I would say your name, but I'm not going to put <laughs> you out there like that. Um, but thank you for the motivation. Um, but yeah, he gave me a C in art class because I was reading about, um, you know, the Keith Herrings of the world, the Basquiat street artists, and I didn't want to paint in this weird Bob Ross, like paint the trees like this, you know? So I got a CNA class. I basically said, forget art for a while. And it wasn't until I moved to LA and I met uh, my ex partner where she uh, actually had original art pieces in her home. Mm-hmm. And I never met somebody under 30 years old that had original works in their home. which is mind blowing. And she didn't have a lot, but it was still really cool. And we would go to like museums together and art shows together. And that became kind of my version of self-care that I would take time away from work and just go to museums by myself in LA, like CAM and LACMA and MOCA and underground museum. And that was just my thing. And it wasn't until 2017, actually May of it's been four years. And I was speaking at this event in Boston, and there was this Afro-Latino artist named John Hen, John Henriquez, and he was au- not auctioning, he was raffling off of one of his pieces. Okay. And so I bought a couple of raffle tickets and I ended up winning it. And it was the first original piece of art that I had nice. ever, like in my life, and I brought that to my home and I was like, whoa, my walls are really blank. Yeah. And. Then, It just inspired me from like, just an interior design perspective to try to add more art into my home. And then I quickly began to love the the art of collecting art and, and just art in general and meeting artists. And I saw a lot of the pain points that many artists endured within the industry, especially artists of color. And I became very passionate to be an advocate for, these artists and help support them in their careers, which inspired me to start my own company, ArtX. And uh, ArtX had the mission of really helping democratize the, the art space. And then I linked up with Artsy and realized that the missions for Artsy and ArtX were very, very similar. Okay. Artsy had more infrastructure. It's been around a decade. You know, it's a, you know, it's a big company, et cetera, et cetera. And the opportunity to come there and be CMO of that company at 30 years old was like to be at the number one online art company in the world. And it's still a tech company, but yeah. it's very much in the art space. It was like best of both worlds. And so that's kind of how yeah.
1: that it's happened. like the perfect marrying of like your two worlds, which is really really Yeah. It's
0: it's it's you know, it's so funny. People talk about dream jobs and you hear yeah. this too now that. Uh, I feel like for millennials and younger, having a job is not cool anymore. (laughs) Like, it's all about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. And I tell people all the time, you really have to find out what your purpose is. And if your purpose is through doing it through a job, especially one that pays well, (laughs) or uh, you're doing it yourself, either or, that's a win, you know? It's all about fulfilling your purpose and being happy in what you're doing. And to me, Artsy is literally the perfect mix of both my passions in tech and art. And I could not think of a better, I get recruited all the time, constantly. I can't think of a better place to be than Artsy.
1: Well, that's one of my favorite sayings is find something you love to do and you never have to work a day in your life. So if you're sure. passionate about something. So, okay, so you said tech and art are your passions, but you mentioned a trigger word that is one of my favorite things to talk about. So you're an advocate for diversity in Silicon Valley as well as in the art world, as you've said. So what are some of the, how would you define your purpose, Everett?
0: Ooh, how would I define? my purpose within tech, within art, or just in
1: general? In general, yeah.
0: I think my purpose is to lead with kindness in everything that I do.
1: I like that.
0: I think that the world needs more genuinely kind people and kind actions. So to live a life where everything I do is with positive intention Mm. and it comes from a genuine place, I think that to me is my purpose to positively impact lives in that way. Whether it's something of just an internet interaction that I might have at my local bodega, or my doorman, to an artist, to colleagues, to, you know, helping scale a company that helps out artists and small businesses and galleries the way that Artsy is. It's leading with this, this, this intentional kindness in, in, in trying to do the right thing.
1: I like that, that's beautiful. Now I've definitely been eyeing this piece behind you. So can you tell me the story of the piece or how you came to buy it? What's the background?
0: Oh yeah, this this is a artist named uh, Ferrari Shepard. Um, he is based and he's from Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. He's from Cabrini Projects. I don't know if you're familiar with Cabrini Projects. You ever seen the movie Candyman? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, those projects. Okay,
1: okay, okay. It's one of them down in
0: Chicago way. Rizzie from Chicago, spent some time in New York, been all over, was a music producer, uh, worked with Most Def, uh, where Yasin Bey is. He goes by now. And um, yeah, really, you know, kind of lean into the art thing. And, you know, he's doing uh, really, really cool work. And yeah, you know, I, I met him in New Orleans And uh, before he was really known, and I bought a work then, and then, you know, did my best to support and uh, spread the word of this artist. And then shortly before I left LA, I acquired this piece as well. Beautiful,
1: I love it. Now, Everett, they say that your dreams are not big enough unless someone laughs at it. So what is your dream that non-believers may laugh at today?
0: Um, so I have this, this dream to start this company called, uh, 2044, okay. to end, uh, to end homelessness in the U S by the year 2044. Oh, wow. So that's like a project that, um,
1: I is circling that.
0: Around so people might laugh at that. Like, oh, that's impossible, but yeah. it's not impossible. So that's, that's something that I would, I would really love to tackle.
1: That's beautiful. And that ties into your purpose so perfectly. I love that.
0: I love- that's all I'm about now, these days. Exactly.
1: so now it's time for my favorite part of the show where I get to play a game with my guest all right oh, so wow. Ever-
0: okay.
1: <laughs> it's okay it's nothing crazy we're gonna play a game of give your flowers so I'll ask you a question and basically you're gonna answer with the person who you want to give your flowers to all right. okay. so if you could have a five course dinner with anyone who would it be dead or alive
0: oh five course dinner uh with my aunt Misha, who passed away when I was uh 10 years old. Okay. That and was my dog. Restaurant.
1: Huh? Aww. I said what restaurant would you go to with her?
0: Uh La Serene here in Soho on Broome Street. Um Nino is the best waiter in the city. Aww. It's authentic French food. Um my aunt never got to go to Paris or New York. So to be able to give her a little mix of the two would be really, really incredible. Oh, I love
1: that. Who's your favorite musical artist of all time?
0: All time? Ugh, <laughs> all time. That's really hard.
1: That's the theme. <laughs> give me- I know
0: I know who's my current, but. Okay,
1: okay, let's go current then.
0: My current is Frank, Frank Ocean.
1: Okay, nice. Yeah. So you're not gonna give me an all time? It's not there?
0: All time, I mean, yo, MJ is the man.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, that's
1: a fair A little answer,
0: controversial,
1: but that's but okay music wise.
0: Yeah. Man, Otis Redding would be crazy. I'll go with MJ.
1: Okay. All right. Now give your flowers to the person who has been most influential to you in your life.
0: that I know or that I don't know, because...
1: Oh, it can be either the, or. I was thinking that you know, but that's absolutely fair. It can definitely be someone you don't personally know.
0: Um, As far as the, the person that's been the most influential person in my life, obviously has to be my mother, okay. just because her self-sacrifice. I mean, I wouldn't be here today Without that, but we're very different people. We think very differently, okay. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I was raised by Jay Z, yo. Like okay. I was like musically, just watching his moves, et cetera, et cetera. Like Sean Carter was the guy that yep. I that was able, like you know, listen to a Reasonable Doubt and actually being in the hood to uh-huh. 444 being actually a successful entrepreneur, oh, being able God. to late. To that, like, like I saw the full spectrum wow. of, of it all through hope. So,
1: That's incredible. Have you read his book, Decoded?
0: I have not read his book, Decoded.
1: You should read it. So good. I think you'd love so, it. People have told me that. Yeah. I think you would. Yeah, you should definitely
0: read it. Yeah, I, I should. You know, I'm weird, though, because I'm like, you know, people don't be right, right now. So I'm like, is this, is this? Really, him, well, I, but, I mean, you
1: know. I can't say it was, but it has his voice. Like, I feel like it's pretty authentic. Um, okay. But read it, read it, and let me know. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I got you. All right. What artist is most inspiring to you?
0: I'm such a black, I'm not a black and white thinker. So I'm always thinking in a grip. Okay. And to me, it's all about human connection. Yeah and the person to me that's most inspiring to me is it's two people and i'm trying to debate who i want to say (laughs) um i'm gonna say uh cat david white mr star city okay and the reason why he's the most inspiring he's also a talented emerging artist but When I say he is the most genuinely, just genuinely good person, thorough, loyal, spreads love, the first time he meets you, he'll tell you, I love you. Aw,
1: that's so cute.
0: And I can't stress how meaningful and impactful that is because we live in a world where people try to tear people down, where... I'll sit in circles and all people are doing is talking about negatively about one another. And to meet someone who is so committed to being a positive person and spreading positivity and spreading love, to me, is just super inspiring.
1: That is. All right. Give your flowers to who made you laugh the hardest recently.
0: Dave Chappelle.
1: Oh went to,
0: I went to a secret show. He had a secret show here
1: oh, nice. in New
0: York at the stand. It might have been like maybe 60 people.
1: Okay. Small,
0: intimate situation. Um, and it was so funny. <laughs> like he is a master. He yeah. is a master, no matter what you make agree with, disagree with, et cetera, et cetera, you have to give that man his flowers because he is a genius and his ability to story tell is, insane. Yeah, I definitely agree, he's a genius. Yeah, for sure. All right,
1: where's the place that you find the most peace and calm?
0: Uh, Medellin, Colombia. Ooh. Close second is is Cali Spell in Montana, but Medellin, in Columbia. I love it because the people are so kind there. Yeah. It's the city of Eternal Spring. No one knows who I am there. Like I can just kind of move around freely. Yeah. And no one is like judging you. Like no one is like asking you, oh, so what do you do? Or what's your yeah. Instagram? Or Googling you and trying to like find gossip about. Like it's just such a pure and I love that
1: place. Don't give your flowers to the person that has given you the best advice that you've ever received.
0: Uh, My cousin, Mike Mike, uh, who passed away in jail. um, Can I curse? Sure. His advice always to me was, fuck it, why not?
1: That's, listen. That's a word. That's a bar. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why
0: not? Why not? So to to everything too. That, that is genuinely the best advice that I've received.
1: I love that. What a great note to end it on. That's all we have time for today. But Everett Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time to join Amplified Voices. It was a pleasure to chat with you today.
0: Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: This week's Debbie's injera is to always go for your dreams. You just never know what is around the corner, what God has planned for you. So don't let your dark days determine the future of your life. Thank you guys so much for staying tuned to Amplified Voices all season. What an incredible season it has been. I have had the great privilege of interviewing some incredible people from Ethiopia Haptamariam, chairman and CEO of Motown Records, to TJ Adishola, head of sports at Twitter, uh, Evie Ani, an incredible journalist, and Claude Kamini, phenomenal designer who has made clothes for some of your favorite celebrities. All of the interviews have been great. If you haven't watched, make sure to go and recap because next season we're coming in stronger. Make sure you subscribe, like, share these videos and comment below and let us know who you want to see on Amplified Voices next season. Thank you. Bye.